Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. <laughs> BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. We got to deal with this Ime Odoka thing. He's kind of our guy. In the end, it is a complicated world in a complicated scenario when you think about some transgression. I guess that's what we call it. Like Ime Adoka facing a suspension for the entire season for his role in a consensual relationship with a female staff member. ESPN first reported this. Formal announcement uh, by the team. Apparently, Adoka had an improper relationship with a female member of the staff. It was deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. But it feels weird that the Celtics would say, hey, you just take a year off, and then we'll bring you back. Like, we'll just talk about it later. Point being, can you bring back a head coach who has been suspended for a year? And if they suspended Ime Odoka, didn't they just fire him? Should they just say that? It's a really weird news story. We'll talk about it on today's show. we got great guests today. Bo Nix, University of Oregon quarterback, will be with us at 4 o'clock right here on the show, as promised yesterday. Bo Nix joining us 4 o'clock. Uh, Oregon State team captain Jaden Grant will be joining us at 3.30, so I want you to be here for those interviews. But I want to talk about Ime Yudoka, and uh, he is not expected to resign. Chris Haynes reporting that just a few minutes ago. But uh, they expect that they are going to suspend him for the season. He will not resign. So what is going on exactly in Boston? Uh, Apparently, per multiple reports, he is facing punishment and a possible one-year suspension for the team. Uh, This was a uh, relationship that he had that was consensual, but it violated team rules, organizational guidelines, so to speak. Feels weird to me. If you're going to do this, why not just fire him? Uh, the Celtics' handling of this situation is just bizarre. I want to know what you make of it. 503-417-7575. By the way, the longer the team stays silent, the longer this drags on, the more that it uh, appears to me that Ime Udoka and the Celtics will part ways. Like somebody in the Celtics organization let this story get out. Like, and And by the way, is this fair to everybody or anybody who works for the Celtics? I think all female members of the staff are now being like, I've seen tweets come out in the last 24 hours of, hey, here's here are the three women who work on the staff. That Could it be any of them? Like, I, I don't think it's fair to anybody to let this drag on if you're the Boston Celtics. They are obviously uh, exploring their legal options, trying to figure out whether or not they should be retaining Ime Adoka, letting him loose. Uh, and again, if you are a fan of the Boston Celtics, you kind of got to wonder 
what the heck is going on with this organization. I'll take your phone calls at 503-417-7575. Where do you stand on this? Uh, How confusing is this to you? I hear a lot of people go, well, wait a minute. Ime Yudoka had a relationship that was consensual, and now the organization is supposedly going to suspend him for a year. And, oh, by the way, I don't think the Boston Celtics wanted this out there, at least not initially. Stephen, what do you make of this report? Yeah, it seems weird. It seems like the whole story isn't quite out yet because if it really is just a consensual relationship was had between Ime Odoka and a FEMA that works with the team, why is the punishment so harsh? Right? Like, it's consensual. It wasn't forced upon or anything. Like, these are two consensual adults. So it seems like there's more to this story. And you're right. The more the Celtics haven't talked about it, the more we're just going to start guessing on what it is. Um, And to your point of, you know, how it's unfair to these women that these they're bringing it up, and it really is. Like people are going through and looking at the staff and seeing who are the females on the staff and who could it be. Like that is completely unfair to those females, um, and they shouldn't be put out in the road like that. But I just feel like it's a harsh punishment if it is just two consensual adults having a relationship. I know it's a bad look for the team. It's a bad look for Ime Udoka since you know he does have a fiance. I believe Nia Long is her fiance, not wife, but. Um, you know, if it's consensual, I don't, I don't know why it's such a long suspension. Yeah, it, it, it's a weird story. I, again, I feel like we have um, probably a company policy that prohibits relationships um, within the organizations, probably designed to protect the organization. But um, the, uh, you know, human resources generally in cases like this, and I have a whole bunch of listeners and readers reach out to me and say, hey, look, this is an HR issue. Uh, Ime Udoka needed to notify the Boston Celtics if he was having a relationship, especially if it was a relationship among uh, you know somebody within the basketball operations side of the Boston Celtics enterprise. Um, the other thing is, like, there's a possibility here that Ime Udoka should not. I mean, I don't. You know, obviously he's not going to resign. That that has gone public. Chris Haynes reporting that today. But there's a possibility here that that Ime Udoka and the Celtics are done. And they're moving in opposite directions. And this is not what you want if you're the Boston Celtics entering your season. It's weird that it's coming out now. It's weird that they're having to deal with it now as training camp is going to be starting for a lot of teams next week. And you now have this cloud of doubt and indecision hanging over the Boston Celtics franchise. Like, you know, it again, we all, we all look at sports and we say things like, oh, it's professional basketball. It's the NBA. That's professional basketball. Or the NFL. Oh, it's professional football. But if you look at some of the crap that goes on in the professional, air quotes there, world of sports uh, in the last couple of few years, Daniel Snyder with the Washington football team, obviously, uh, you know, you have Sarver in the Suns. Now you have Ime Doka in the Celtics, like a cloud of suspicion there. You look at the relationships and the things that have happened uh, with different teams over the years. Certainly, um, I think you could bring up uh, you know, the, make a case study oh, about Daniel Schneider. The Blazers had their moment in the sun, in the spotlight, so to speak, with the toxic uh, work environment. Like, if you're going to be a professional team, you you ought to act professionally. And, you know, it may just very well be that Ime Odoka had a relationship with someone within the organization and he did not disclose it, and the Boston Celtics frown upon such things. Uh, and maybe they didn't want this to get out and expect it to get out. But I just find it very unusual that this would leak out the way that it did and the one-year suspension attached to it and then nothing, just radio silence 
from the Boston Celtics. And then Udoko's camp basically just saying he's not going to resign. Um, you know, inappropriate but consensual tells me that it is probably related to someone who is a subordinate of Ime Udoka, or maybe the Boston Celtics have just had some issues over the years that we don't know about in their front office. Yeah, John, does it seem, because it seems like to me the year-long suspension is pretty harsh. It seemed like Boston is trying was trying to get Ime Udoka to almost resign before they had to put out the suspension. Feels that way. Or, or they thought that at least they're trying to give the public appearance it may very well be that the Boston Celtics have had have been sued numerous times that we don't know about. They may have had uh, issues with prior regimes, so they may have policies in place that are zero-tolerance policies when it comes to relationships like this. Maybe they've been burned before. I don't know. All I know is this is weird, and if you come out and say your coach is going to be suspended for a year and then will be allowed back, you're pretty much saying he's fired. So why not just fire the guy? Like, why, why wouldn't the Boston Celtics just come out when this is, you know, instead of leaking, this getting leaked out and all this indecision, why not just fire the guy and pay him and, and be done with him? Which like, is it's crazy yeah. because Ime Adoka is coming off one of the most successful first-year head coaching performances in NBA history. Like, he just completely transformed the Celtics. He took kind of an average franchise the last couple of years under Brad Stevens, a 500 team, all the way to the NBA Finals. And he was riding extremely high just two days ago. And now, last time I checked, the Celtics are the NBA favorite to win it all. And suddenly, you know, they're not at all. And they're going to have a rather inexperienced interim head coach, Joe Mazzulla, two years younger than Al Horford running the show there. It's all crazy. It's really um it's really weird. Like there's some there's some stuff on social media like that is it, it's either a crazy coincidence or somebody knew something. Um I saw a New York Post story today that said that, you know, there was a tweet that was really interesting that dropped an hour before Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, broke the story. Um, you know, a, a Twitter account that um, did not have very many followers at the time, uh, tweeted out, if there's one person who will never get fired for sleeping around, it's Ime Udoka. Now, that came out an hour before uh, the news leaked that Ime Udoka was going to be suspended possibly for the whole season. And, and here's the other thing that's weird about it. Like, you know, I immediately went to, is he married? Like that's I immediately went to like did he get married like I I I knew that he there was Neil Long was in the picture but I was like did they get married like you know it and it appears as though he may have had some kind of interactions or a relationship with a staff member while engaged to Neil Long but I'm just kind of wondering like you know this isn't unique to to like Ime Adoka like in sports we have seen cases in sports and entertainment and whatnot where uh you know people don't do the right thing people involved in relationships don't do the right thing and so you have Ime Adoka Neil Long trending on Twitter you've got the Boston Celtics uh like silent you've got uh a year-long suspension possibly coming down the pipeline and in the other teams in the league going thank goodness this isn't us but apparently this relationship that he had apparently this alleged relationship would violate team rules, team code of conduct. And uh, the Boston Celtics are apparently looking into um, a suspension of Ime Adoka. They might as well fire him. I mean, can you can you bring a guy back after you do that if you're the Boston Celtics? Like, I can't imagine a, a situation where he they honor the one-year suspension 
and then Udoka just comes back a year later. Like, that doesn't work. No, I can't imagine that would work either for the players, especially, like, just knowing that, you know, if you're a player, like, your mind, you might know the truth, and that's the thing. They may know what's happening. There is just something we do not know what is happening in this in this whole case because, again, if it's a consensual relationship, he shouldn't be just suspended for a year. Like, this stuff happens with athletes all the time, whether people know it or not. A lot of these athletes, you know, even if they are married or are committed – they are in consensual relationships outside of their marriage, and it's just kind of what it is in professional sports. So there's got to be a missing piece of this. And another interesting part of this, Joe Missoula, uh, when he was in college, he was actually charged with domestic battery. So oh they're going from Ime Yudoka, who was suspended for the year, uh, to a guy who is charged with domestic battery. And, and they have Brad Stevens sitting there as their GM. Brad Stevens is still relatively young. We know he's a great head coach for the most part, and he's not willing to go out and coach, which I think is another interesting wrinkle here. Right. The uh, Shams reported that Ime Adoka had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. It's been deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. Uh, ESPN is reporting that Adoka could get up to a one-year suspension, and Chris Haynes at Yahoo is reporting that uh, Udoka will not be resigning. Um, and it's really interesting that why does this become a bigger story than the Brett Favre thing where Favre is stealing all this money from welfare in Mississippi? Like, you know, like why, how did Brett Favre just fly under the radar in the last couple of weeks? I don't know. That's because that is an insane story. And that is what Brett Favre did was way worse than what Emi Udoka did in my mind. Yeah. At least what we know of it. Right. right? Like, right. like the only, re- the only other thing is I the, think about is I try to put myself in position of the Boston Celtics and the Human Resources Department, it's, you know, possible that the Boston Celtics have had issues before, and so they instituted a a strict code of conduct that has a zero-tolerance policy. It's possible that the the person that he had the consensual relationship with may be involved with someone else in the organization. Um, That's possible as well. We've seen some weird things over the years, but um, it's disappointing. I think how the Celtics are handling it is disappointing. And uh, it has become a bigger story somehow than Brett Favre stealing millions of dollars, allegedly, from welfare in Mississippi. Tony's in Oregon City. Tony, go ahead. Hi, John. Yes, weird, weird, weird. It is. Um, it's interesting that um, we're talking about it without hearing the whole story when there's other circumstances with other lasers, what O'Shea did. Um, and it took forever and a day for them to... Um, to deal with that, but that's an Allen thing. Um, and someone stealing money is a bigger deal, but people are in the people. People like the cost of part of people. People are more interesting. People are wondering, well, if he did it here, did he do it with somebody else? Does he have a history about it, but it just came out? But see, we don't know if it just came out because no one's talking about it. Yeah. Thanks, John. Appreciate that. We'll talk about stoicism next. Why do the Stoics matter when it comes to Pac-12 football? I'll tell you next. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I tweeted out and uh, posted my week four picks, and I went stoic. With my uh, week four picks, far as I can tell, the single most important practice in Stoic philosophy is dif- differentiating between the things that we can control and the things that we cannot. 
Uh, for those of you who are on TikTok, you may know the Daily Stoic. He says stuff like this. Talk about is the idea of loving what happens. Marcus Aurelius says that what you throw on top of a fire is fuel for the fire. So what you want to cultivate, what you have to practice, you have to almost repeat it like a mantra to yourself, is the practice of loving everything that happens. Not just accepting it, not just tolerating it, but leaning into it, going, this is for me. Well, in the end, if you are somebody who is uh, fra- you know, focused on stoicism, you know that uh, you can't control things. And I got to thinking about what you can control and what you can't control when it comes to the college football weekend. And I want to get into our picks for the college football weekend. Jaden Grant is coming up. Oregon State team captain. He'll join us bottom of the hour. But what can you control and what can't you control? For example, I can't control that Cal's offense went dormant in the second half against Notre Dame in week three. I can't control that, you know, uh, Bo Nix in week one against uh, Georgia didn't look great. I can't control that. All I can control is my pick. All you can control as a fan is who you like in the game. So I want to get into these games a little bit. Jaden Grant coming up bottom of the hour. But UCLA at Colorado. Let's start with this one. Bruins are a 21-point favorite on the road. Game comes down to whether or not the Buffaloes will play for Carl Durrell's job. Do they want him to stick around? I uh, I thought to myself uh, a, a stoic quote from Seneca. If a man knows not which port he sails, no wind is favorable. So Seneca said that a couple thousand years ago. Uh, Carl Durrell feels a little lost in the storm to me. I like UCLA to cover the 21 points. I got it UCLA 35, Colorado 10. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not taking Colorado in any circumstance. So uh, <laughs> you don't like it? No. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's my that's my hot take. Is that I'm not putting my hard earned money on Colorado. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you, UCLA. Yeah, about definitely you? Yeah. UCLA. Bet against none of us Colorado. likes Colorado. None of, none of, and 21, not even 21. It's a lot of points, but no, I mean, <laughs> at home, I, I'm not. I'm not risking my own money on that one. <laughs> I have a man. They lost to Air Force by that much. I also think, like Marcus Aurelius always said, you know what? Uh, Colorado at home, not enough points. Uh, but if you have, I got a 35-10. I think UCLA covers, even though even though you, UCLA might be the worst three and team in America. Like they just, we don't know what they are. And they, um, they should have lost to South Alabama last week. I mean, we talked about that how South Alabama is solid, but. They should have lost that game. They, South Alabama ran a fake field goal, I believe, when they didn't have to, right? Like, if they could have just ran a normal play, and it cost them, and then UCLA hit the field goal. So we don't know what UCLA is. Oregon is at Washington State, 1 p.m. Saturday on Fox. Ducks are favored by 6.5 to 7. I'm seeing it at 7 mostly now. I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, you, Washington State's got this front seven on defense that I really like. They're very active. They're disruptive. They will cause you problems with your offense. Now, Oregon's offense has got Bo Nix, who looks pretty settled down, and I thought they looked really good against BYU. I'm still not sure who Oregon is, but I th- I think Oregon wins this game, but I think it's closer than seven, so I would take Washington State plus the points, but Oregon to win the game. I have it something like 28-24 Oregon. Uh, I think you're right that Oregon wins, but I think they're going to cover as well. I think Oregon... I think they figured out their offense last week against a tough BYU defense. I mean, I, I know we talked about BYU, and I did, especially that I thought Oregon was going to cover, but that defense is still solid. So 
I don't have a lot of faith in the Washington State offense. I think I've been missing that. I've been wanting to see it. I want Cam Morton to play well. He just hasn't really done it for me this season. I think it's going to be tough for Washington State to get going against that tough Ducks defense as well. The Ducks, the Ducks got a good, fast defense. Uh, so I think the Ducks are going to win this. I think it's going to be more like 28-17, 31-17, something like that. But I think the Ducks cover. Yeah, I like the Ducks by 10 in this game. It's certainly a tough spot to go to Pullman. But, uh, you know, Cameron Ward... I thought he was going to be really good this year. It seems like they're kind of getting it out of his hands really quickly. And, you know, uh, I think the Ducks' defense with Dan Lanning is going to cause him some trouble. Uh, Washington State's defense is super good. They have a lot of good dudes. But, I, you know, I think Oregon, really good vibes around that team right now. It feels like they've been clicking really well these last two games, and uh, it it feels like there's really good morale around that team. Ward is having problems with his reads, and they've worked on it this week. Let's see how they do against Oregon, which, you know, I think isn't ideal for him. Uh, because I think defensively, Oregon is pretty good. Uh, Arizona's at Cal. This game's at 2.30 Pacific time on the Pac-12 networks. I was on the Cal bandwagon last week. I'm riding with the Wildcats this week. I may be a fool for doing it, but I like what Arizona's done in the early part of the season. Um, I think they're kind of like the dirty little secret in the Pac-12 right now. I think they can win a close game against Cal. Cal is at home. They are favored by three points. But I, I, I like Arizona to win this game outright. I think it's it's in the 20s. It's like 27-24. So I'll take Arizona plus three, but I think they're going to win the game. I think this is a fascinating game because you're right. Arizona, I think, is a little better than we all kind of thought. And if they can get this win, I think ball eligibility is a thought for them right now. Like To go on the road and win that first conference game, I think it would be huge for Jetfish. I disagree with you. I think Cal is going to win. Um, so I'm going to go minus the points. Now, I, I do like the Cal defense. I think Jaden Delora... He does, for how much I like him, he gets out of control sometimes. And so I think yeah. that's going to cause some problems. Wilcox is going to put him in some tough spots. I just like Cal in a dirty defensive game. Yeah, I like both head coaches in this game a lot. And I agree, there's a desperation factor for both of these teams. Two teams that are trying to be bowl eligible can take every win they can get. I like Cal to bounce back after they be- they nearly beat Notre Dame last week. Uh, give me Cal by three. USC's at Oregon State, 630 Saturday, Pac-12 Networks. I really like Oregon State a lot, but this matchup is not ideal for the Beavers. If the Beavers, I'm going to say this, caveat, if the Beavers can run the ball effectively and get into third and short, third and two, third and three, they can stay in this game. If they don't, I think they could lose by double digits. It's really that simple to me because third and long feels like a tough ask for that uh, Oregon State offense. Trojans are a six-point favorite on the road. But uh, Marcus Aurelius tells you, um, you know what, don't look at the past. Confine yourself to the present, so don't worry about the seven straight wins for Oregon State. Live in the now. Uh, I'm picking USC to win barely. I think they they, they uh, cover barely. I have it 31-24 USC. I agree with you on this one. And the interesting part is uh, Caesar Sports, they put out some numbers. 88% of the dollars have been bet on Oregon State at mm. six and a half, seven points there. It's one of the most bet games NFL or college this season right now is that USC Oregon State game really random that is that game in Corvallis and all the money is coming in on Oregon State. Interesting. I, I disagree with it though. I'm with you. I think USC the speed is going to be too tough for Oregon State defensively. The USC defense. I think Oregon State's receivers are going to have a hard time getting open. And I like the I like the way the USC has been playing that offense. Of course. So I, give me USC uh, double digits. Yeah, I think six and a half is a perfect number. Uh, I like USC by six or seven, just like you like USC by seven here, John. But I think there's going to be more points scored than 31-24. Give me USC uh, 38-31. 
Stanford at Washington, 7.30 on FS1. I, I really The Huskies look good to me. They have a great scheme. They have a dangerous quarterback. They have good receivers. They got Stanford this week. I think they win it, and I think they cover the 13-and-a-half. I have it 35-20, so I have them covering just by a you know point and a half, but I like Washington. Uh, I think I think Washington wins, but I think Stanford stays within the number. And my reason on this is going back to that USC Stanford game. That line closed at about eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. For Washington to be thirteen and a half, I think that's a big difference um, to where Stanford and USC was just a week, a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction of Washington beating Michigan State, which is a really good team. But I think Washington's going to win this game. But I like Stanford within the thirteen and a half. I agree with Steven. I think Stanford uh, is being overlooked a little bit after they lost to USC, and I think they stay within the 13-and-a-half. I think they lose by 10 in, in Seattle. Bye week, too, coming off a of bye week. Utah at Arizona State, 730 ESPN. Uh, a lot of times you see a team come out of a head coaching change, and they just play really well. Arizona State's not that team. Utah is good. Um, I think Kyle Whittingham and Utah, this, this one opened at Utah minus 5-and-a-half. It ballooned to minus 15 and a half after Herm Edwards was fired. I still think the Utes cover. I have it 41-14 Utah over Arizona State. I agree 100%. I think Utah, after that loss to Florida and then Florida loses to Kentucky, I think it just put a really sour taste in their mouth, and they're going to go on a wrecking streak here and try to destroy teams to get those style points to get back in the CFP conversation. So, yeah, I'm with you. Utah, big. Yeah, thanks for this, John. I think I just found a play for Saturday. 15 and a half is t- way too low of a number. I think Utah kills Arizona State. There it is. There's our picks. Jaden Grant, team captain at Oregon State, coming up next. Bo Nix, the quarterback at Oregon at 4 o'clock. Just leave it locked in. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. USC traveling to Oregon State, 6.30 Saturday night, Reeser Stadium. It's a sellout. A lot of interest in this game. 3-0 against 3-0. Oregon State has won seven straight at home. And in the last seven against USC, the Beavers are 4-3 in Corvallis. Joining us now, as he does every week, Jaden Grant, team captain, defensive back. He's now an apparel designer. In, uh, he, we know him as King Jamba on this show. Uh, hey, man, every time you have an interception, my friends all text me, Jamba! <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's funny. Tell us what's going on with Portland gear in the apparel line. This is interesting. Uh, nothing much, man. I, got, I have a, a new collab with them, uh, me and Portland gear. We're dropping um, a hoodie and a sweat set, also a T-shirt. Kind of uh, represents the underdog story. Um, so, yeah, uh, we got that going on. There's a little pop-up shop tomorrow. Um, you can swing by. It's off of Monroe um, at Downward Dog from 11 to 2 p.m. Love that. So you guys are gonna be you're gonna be selling some apparel. You got the uh, you're embracing the underdog thing because there's some guys that don't like. Nah, I don't want to be an underdog, but you're you're embracing that. That's kind of your story, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I've always I've always embraced that. You know, um, even since you know playing in youth when I was always you know so much smaller than everybody. Uh, just the underdog story, the, the the thought of overcoming adversity, and you know it's always intriguing. So, what does playing USC mean to you? Um, I mean, this week it, it means everything because, it's, you know, the next game. Um, 
you know, I, I wasn't too much of a, a, a football, you know, big football fan growing up, so I wasn't really watching football in the days. You know, USC was at the top of the world. So, um, I mean, this is the next game for me, but it means everything because it's, it's a big-time game for um, our program. I'm kind of hoping the officials let you guys play because I think the matchup of the defensive backs against those receivers, you guys in the secondary against the USC receivers, I think it's going to be a real treat to watch that. What do you see on film when you look at the receiving core? Um, definitely a lot of talent, uh, a lot of speed, and then a lot of versatility because they have so many different guys. You know, they're really deep and veteran group. And, um, you know, they obviously have hit a lot of explosives so far this season. So, um, you know, this is kind of the, the matchup that you that you dream of or that you work for, you know, especially for our story here at Oregon State. So, um, you know, we're ready for the moment. We can't wait to go out there and, and battle. I want to play something for you. Paul Feinbaum, who uh, works for ESPN, um, he was talking about USC on his show. And I didn't like the way he was talking about the rest of the conference. I want you to listen to this. I think it – probably comes down to either Clemson or, or Southern Cal right now. And a couple of weeks ago, geez, Sean, I was worried about Southern Cal, but I, I'm not worried about them now. I think they basically have about a two-game season, uh, the most difficult game being at Utah, which, which I, I still think is a formidable team, but, but they're playing with, with such explosive, explosiveness. I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I thought they would be significantly better. Uh, I still, I'll, I'll defer to you on their defensive side of the ball, but but offensively right now they can hang with almost any team around. So I think uh, I, I think they they have to be considered a serious threat because I don't you know, you, uh, again uh, I see a couple of good teams in the Pac-12. The records are deceiving, but I, I don't see a team that is on their level from a talent standpoint. What do you make of that? That bother you? <laughs> No, I, I I don't think we really care too much about any of that type of stuff. Um, and like you said, as the underdog, we expect that. Um, but like Coach Smith always says, you know, not, the outside noise, none of it matters. Not when they praise you or not when they're telling you you have no shot or whatever they're saying. Um, all that matters is, is the belief and the attention to detail and the execution um, that we're capable of within our building. And so, you know, we just stick to what we say within our building. It pisses me off. I'll tell you that because I I look at I listen to it and I and I know he's not watching the conference. He's not watching Washington. Yeah. You guys, Washington State, Oregon, Utah. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to have an easy ride in this conference. I think on a given week, even the games this weekend, Cal's playing Arizona. I don't know who's going to win that. You know, it, it's yeah. it's there's a bunch of games. Oregon, Washington State. I don't know who's going to win that game, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet. You know who I would pick you know at the end of the season but i feel like on a week to week if you don't show up with your a game you're gonna get beat yeah exactly and like i said this is pac-12 football um i think that even at the d1 level even before pac-12 in preseason if you don't come you know ready to play uh you'll get you can get beat by you know a lot of teams there's a lot of good talent around so um you know that's why you know on our team specifically um, I'm proud of the way that we just focus on ourselves and, like I say, just stay process-oriented. Jaden Grant with us. Uh, he is uh, the team captain at Oregon State, defensive back. When you uh, when you look at kind of your your time at Oregon State, you've now been in that program a while. You know, I don't want you to talk about, like, bigger, faster, stronger, but how much smarter are you as a football player on the field right now? In comparison to maybe year two, year three, year four, 
when you were there? Uh, yeah, I, I was. I'm, I'm way, I'm way smarter. I'm a lot of, a lot of that comes from, I think, experience on the field because I, I always have, um, you know, took pride in, in knowing my playbook and uh, being in the right spot and knowing what I'm supposed to do. It's really the next level stuff that comes from film study and experience. So, um, yeah, I've definitely seen a, a lot of college ball in my career up to this point. So, um, you know, definitely something that helps me out when, when I'm out there on Saturday. What do you need from the crowd on Saturday? <laughs> for them to just be their usual self, you know, they're, they're always rocking. Uh, the student sec- student section is always loud and rowdy. So, you know, the whole team we were, we've been talking about it all. We we just can't wait to get back into Teresa. Seven straight there. It, it, it's been it's been a run, man. Do you guys talk about that? Like, let's keep that going, or are you really focused on the one and zero this week? No, like we're we're really locked in on the one and zero thing. Um, we don't really look at records or anything like that because you know if we were doing that just two weeks ago we'd be like oh we have no shot to win you know in fresno state because yeah. you know, beavers never won there same, same thing last year versus usc so like i said we, we're really good and the coaches are really good at just keeping us present in the moment so how, how healthy are you how, how healthy are you and how healthy is the secondary when you look around and see guys uh you know at this point of the season uh we're great we're great we're um, all good, you know, the guys that are uh, out there. And then, you know, we have A.J., who, um, you know, back at any moment on doing it. So, um, yeah, we're, we're good. We're, we're blessed from that standpoint. Are you back in class? I know students started, classes started. Do you have, you know, in-person classes? Have you been to class already, or where are you at with school right now? Yeah, so I, I have to take, you know, nine credits, I think. So I'm in nine credits, uh, just credit fillers and I think my only in-person class was yoga. I just decided to take that one in person. <laughs> I want your schedule. Can I have your life right now, Jaden Grant? Like, you got, let me just go through what Jay, what's going on in Jaden Grant's life. He's got he's designing apparel with Portland gear. That's a dream. He's got a Jamba drink named for him. You go into the Jamba locations. There's posters up now with Jaden Grant. He's playing football. You're taking nine credits. That's pretty nice. And then, oh, by the way, yoga is your in-person class. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely can't complain. Enjoy this, okay? Uh, I'm sure, like, yeah, people definitely. have told you that. Enjoy this time. It gets more serious later when you when you get older and you have two or three Jaden Grant kids running around. You're going to know what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, for look, sure. Look, I think everybody's excited to see this game. Uh, you guys are undefeated. You're at home. This is a great opponent. I mean, this is what it's about, right? Exactly. And that's all I'm saying. This is what it's all about. Um, you know, in order to be considered as one of the best, you have to be who that says, you know, one of the best. So um, that'll be what it is for us. You know, like I said, it's a big opportunity and a big challenge as well. And um, We just can't wait to go out there and go in front of Reese and in front of the home crowd and, and uh, like I said, go to battle. All right, I will see you there. I'm covering this game. I'll be there, um, and I know a lot of people are excited. It is sold out, standing room only. Uh, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see you guys 6.30 Saturday night. Jaden Grant, good luck to you. Thank you, man, for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. All right, there he is. It's a good life that Jaden Grant is leading right now. Uh, that interview brought to you by Jamba. Get your season started right. Get it started at Jamba. Jaden Grant's got a drink named after him. When you go into the store, you can see the poster, and you can order what Jaden Grant is ordering. But all right, let's get let's get this straight, guys. Uh, Jaden Grant is 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 taking nine credits. 
because that's what he has to take. And, you know, I think he has like three degrees already. But he, his class is yoga that he has to go to. He's got the apparel line that they'll be selling, the underdog apparel line that he's designed with Marcus and the team at Portland Gear, portlandgear.com, if you want to see all the Oregon State stuff that they've been designing lately. It's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, he's playing in a football game. He's a team captain. He's playing against USC on Saturday night. This is pretty good. Yeah, it's a pretty good life. Um, I don't hate it. I don't hate that life at all. Now, I will say I had, you know, not as good as that. But when I was a senior in high school, I knew I was going to community college. So I didn't have, I decided I wasn't going to take all the, like, the college credit classes and stuff. Yeah. So my final like term or semester, whatever it is, um, I had two weightlifting classes, two PE classes, and then a, uh, like a senior seminar class, which I had to go to. But like you didn't have to go because it was just like one final speech. So I get it. I get where Jane Grant's coming from, and I respect him for it. Yeah, I, he should cherish every uh, every moment. <laughs> every moment, before man. Before the real worlds, right? I know. Uh, and look, and when he decided he was going to come back for this year, he's a seventh-year senior. It will never happen again in college athletics. Knocking on wood, no pandemic. Nobody going through a medical red shirt getting an extra year. Um, you know, the NCAA gave everybody an extra season. So Jaden Grant, normally this would be a six-year thing with the medical redshirt, but he gets a seventh year because of the pandemic. I don't think we're going to see that ever again. And, you know, UCLA's got a fifth-year starter at quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Like, we're watching, like, you know, everybody always says we want the college games to be college. We don't want them to be pros. Like, I don't want college football to become professional football. I don't. I'm allergic to that. But it's really interesting right now in that we have so many really experienced players that have played more games and have been around longer than in any other era of college football. Like this, a seventh-year senior at in the defensive backfield at Oregon State. And it's really interesting because we saw this in basketball. It was a great equalizer in the NCAA tournament when the mid-majors really started to have success it came at the time where Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, some of the Blue Bloods were all in the one and done game. The you know Butler had you know fifth year seniors, and all of a sudden we were like, oh, these two things are really interesting when you put them on the same court. And you know the mid majors suddenly had an uprising. I'll be really interested to see, especially on Saturday night in this Oregon State USC game, the experienced defensive backfield of Oregon State against the receiving core of USC. It is a, you know, can you make up a step with extra game experience? It's really interesting to me. Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback, coming up top of the hour at 4 o'clock. Tell your friends, Bo Nix, who has not been interviewed in a one-on-one in a public setting like this at any point of his career at Oregon, is going to break his silence on this show at 4 o'clock. Leave it here. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I got a hold of a letter today. Letter was written by United States Senator Ron Wyden from the uh, great state of Oregon, and he addressed the letter to Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, and Kathy Engelbert, the WNBA commissioner, both at the league offices in New York on Fifth Avenue. Um, Senator Wyden wrote about his hometown of Portland, and he said that a WNBA franchise would be 
a slam dunk success for the city and the league. And uh, then he went into why it would be good, the connection between basketball and Portland and how it creates a natural rival for the Seattle Storm. And, um, you know, simply put, this is a this would be a home run. It would be a slam dunk. And but it was the last paragraph of the letter that really caught my attention. And I tweeted it out if you want to see it. But Senator Wyden wrote, quote, Trailblazers fans are excited by the news that Phil Knight is interested in buying the Trailblazer franchise. I'm more convinced than ever that this native Portlander, who's grown one of the world's most iconic and recognized companies, fully shares fans' goals to keep this flagship franchise where it belongs, right here in the place forever known as Rip City. Uh, Ron Wyden signed the letter. I got a hold of it. I tweeted it out. Um, and it is being widely disseminated as it should be. That was uh, that was the intention. Here's my question for you guys: Like, how interesting is it that that Senator Wyden is writing this letter to Adam Silver, among others, and about Phil Knight, and he explicitly says that the Trailblazers fans are excited about Phil Knight and being interested in buying the team. Like, if I'm Jody Allen, like. I got to think she is like, you know, squirreled away somewhere, maybe on a on a glacier or maybe she's in a tropical place and somebody's like, hey, this uh, senator in Oregon is uh, basically doubling down on this Phil Knight stuff. What do you want to do about it? Like at some point, like it's just everybody's talking about it. Every, it's all out there. Like is this unusual for you guys to like to like this is highly unusual, I think, that everybody is talking about what should happen. Everybody knows what should happen except the one person that could actually make it happen who remains arms folded in denial and I think is going to end up as one of the most despised characters in Portland sports history if she doesn't sell the damn team. Yeah, I agree. And I've said this before, like Blazer fans in Rip City, it seems like it's a 100% agreement that Phil Knight would be a home run hire, as, or not hire, but as home run owner, if he ever became it. And so it's, it is weird that this stuff just keeps popping up. And if you're Jody Allen, it doesn't help your self-esteem, right? Like nobody likes me. Nobody wants me here. Everyone's just openly talking about who the next person is, even though I am still here and I have to deny that the team's for sale. It's just, it's weird. But at the same time, like it gets me excited that hopefully there is some traction and that Phil Knight, the Phil Knight thing is real and it's going to happen at some point because we all know that as soon as Jody Allen gets out of here, the Blazers have a chance to, like, you know, just revamp the entire franchise. Not saying it's going to be a championship contender, but you can just, like, the culture will completely change, and that's all that we really want. Yeah, I mean, Ron Wyden here is addressing two things that would make the Portland sports landscape so much better. Two separate things, but uh, two things that feel pretty attainable. You know, it's Phil Knight that own, owning the Portland Trailblazers. It's pretty obvious how much better I think that would improve a lot of things with that organization. And then it's Portland having a WNBA team, which I feel like is uh, is long overdue. Again, very feasible, very attainable, and I, I think Portland would wrap their arms around a WNBA team considering how much they've wrapped their arms around the Thorns, considering how much they've wrapped their arms around Oregon women's basketball and Oregon State women's basketball, all the talent that is in this state in that sport. Uh, I, I think both of these things need to be addressed because it's been a little bit quiet lately. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the Thorns are the greatest 
uh, success story in women's sports, professional sports on, on the planet. And you, you marry that to a at WNBA franchise, home run. Home run in our, in our market. It brings us to the big splash. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Must be the big splash. Well, Jake Dicker, the Washington State coach, and Dan Landing, the Oregon coach, are doing a lot of talking in front of Saturday's game in Pullman. Jake Dickert says, look, Oregon's great, but it's not all about Oregon. Well, Oregon's talented. Okay, they got a bunch of four- and five-star athletes running around. Like, I think everyone realizes the challenge that Oregon presents. Um, there's there's limited information with the new coaching staff, and, and that's a lot of this league. You know, so we've done a good job. We've, we've looked at last year's Georgia tape for defense. We look at last year's Florida State tape for offense. But it isn't about all that, right? And I've, I've talked to our guys about it a million times. It's about us. Okay, what's our focus level? I mean, they'll they'll give us a ton of things, offense, defense, special teams that we haven't seen. So you got to really rely back to your rules and your principles and your fundamentals, and you got to look that man in the mirror, and you got to be ready to play your best, give your best effort. So uh, there'll be more things than just schemes, you know, on Saturday. It's going to be about who we are, you know, and trying to do it better. Like how we do it needs to be better than everybody else in the country. Jake Tickert, Washington State coach, saying it's about us. Dan Lanning says it's about well his. His Saturday morning schedule. What is that schedule? I just want the ball out on the on the turf and let's play turf <laughs> or grass, right? Like last week we played a little bit earlier. I'm, I, eggs, breakfast, and go. You know, whoop ass. That's our plan. And that's the <laughs> plan. It. That's the plan every Good. week, right? Yeah. So whenever you put us out there in between the lights, right. let's play. There it is. Uh, Dan Lanning, all the four and five stars. Jake Dickert uh, saying, hey, we just got to look in the mirror. I find it interesting that both Oregon State and Washington State find themselves in a sick, uh, similar predicament this week as uh, both of those programs will be playing at home and both of those programs will be playing against opponents that come in uh, with you know uh, higher rankings and more stars. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback, he played lights out last week against BYU. I wrote a column coming out of the game, said it's his team and it's his time. Feels like it is. We're going to get to know him a little bit uh, in this next segment. I've not interviewed Bo Nix before. It, I think it's going to be a real treat to uh, for you to get to know him as well. Away from the field, on the field. What's it about? What's he excited about? What does he do away from football? And by the way, what is married life like? Bo Nix. Next. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. I do a lot of prep and a lot of thinking about interviews. When we have interviews on the show, I do a lot of thinking about it. You know, Bo Nix coming on the show, right? I, I was like, look, uh, what do people want to know about him? Who is he? What's his favorite class? What does he do that isn't related to football? How comfortable is he right now in the Oregon offense? What has he learned over the years? What did he learn in week one against Georgia that he can take with him for the rest of the season? What about Kenny Dillingham, his offensive coordinator? How's he feeling uh, about that? You know, stuff like that. Favorite food? Does he binge watch anything? What does he think of Washington State, this week's opponent? I, I start prepping, and then I turn to Anna, my wife, and I say, what, do you, what, what would you want to know about Bo Nix? And she says, I want to know what a southern wedding is like. Bo Nix got married. 
got married in Alabama. So we're going to start right there. I, I imagine bow ties and a lot of tradition at a southern wedding. Bo Nix, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it a lot. All right, give us give us the scouting report on a on a southern wedding. Like a lot of us haven't been to one. You've been in one. Like what is that like? Yeah, well, uh, for starters, um, it's all about what the wife wants. Um, so <laughs> she gets to pick out the venue. Um, obviously, she picks out everything that goes on. And so for me, um, Izzy was very um, easygoing, but at the same time, she wanted to have. Um, quite a few unique things at, at the wedding. And then her mom and dad did a great job of um, kind of putting the wedding on. And obviously my mom helped a little bit. But for me, it was all about just kind of staying out of the way and just showing up, uh, you know. Love that. It's like having a great running back. You know, you hand the ball off. Exactly and, right. <laughs> let it happen. They do, yep, they do the work for you. Uh, let, give us an idea. Like, you know, you've you've been in the college game now for a few years. You. You probably knew Oregon from a distance. Certainly, uh, we all watched you in that game uh, years ago when you were playing at Auburn. But, you know, when you decided to come to Oregon, you know, your, your expectations or what you thought the experience would be like, you know, you, you came you traveled a long way, I, I guess is what I'm getting at. And and so what were you thinking when you when you picked Oregon? Yeah, well, obviously, Oregon kind of brands itself um, growing up since um, like for a long time. They've been. Um, really at the top of college football and have kind of stayed there and been very consistent at the top. And so um, that's been very impressive to me. And obviously in the South, you see a lot of Oregon T-shirts, even though they're all the way out here. Um, everybody knows exactly what Oregon is and um, who they are, the brand that they've become. Um, so just as coming out here, I knew um, just that the national um, type, face it had and so I was just excited to be a part of it and um, now after playing a few games and being around it's, it's definitely what everybody talks about you looked really comfortable in the offense against BYU and it looked like you I, I felt like you were just comfortable maybe the game's slowing down a little bit but what, you tell me what was it like being out there on the field maybe in in a week three game like that and and having so much going right and clicking yeah it was a uh... Um, I mean, just a really good day for our offense. I, I think when you look at our offensive line um, and you see the kind of experience that they have, and if you've watched them the past few weeks, you see the amount of time that I'm able able to have back there. And then, obviously, they contribute to the running game, and, and our running backs have done a really good job of um, kind of setting the tone in the running game, which allows the passing game to open up. There's a lot of um, windows out there when the, the defense has to load the box for the running game. So, um, just from a whole, I think everybody's been pretty comfortable um, the past few weeks. I think it's it's shown, obviously, with um, the amount of times we're able to get in the end zone. Um, and then it's just kind of shown our confidence. And um, we've been playing very well together, and um, I'm just excited to, to be a part of it. And I'm looking forward to see the guys moving forward. We all We all try to learn from week to week, year to year. What did you learn in week one that – you could carry with you for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think um, really the main thing that I got out of the Georgia game um, with, even though it was a familiar opponent, it was a new team. So I really got to see a lot about my guys in the huddle and, and what um, they were like when things got tough. And they responded extremely well, um, even though the outcome wasn't what anybody wanted. Um, Oregon was a really good team, and I felt like the um, 
the guys um, like in our huddle, they, they had um, competition in their face. They, they were excited to, to keep going and keep pushing. Nobody gave up. Um, it wasn't really too big for anybody. And so moving forward, that was um, extremely important because obviously we got a few new guys, a, a few guys that are just playing and starting for the first time. And so um, a lot of newness and it's tough to um, play that kind of opponent in the first week with a new coach and a new system. So um, just their response over that first game um, uh, it was just really important for us. Obviously, we needed to respond really well. And the past few weeks, we have been able to do that. Now, obviously, the, the season's still still long. still have a long way to go. Um, and we're still going to put the put the work in. But there's just a response that kind of stuck out to me and what I learned from our team. We're talking to Bo Nix, University of Oregon quarterback. You've got a, a new coordinator to Oregon, young guy, Kenny Dillingham. You're working closely with him. Give us an idea of kind of the offensive complexity in a Dillingham system and how, how different is that than maybe what you had at Auburn and what you've seen in other places? Yeah, he does a good job of um, having quite a few plays, but uh, he's very transparent, very easy to learn. Um, and so just from that point of view, when you, when you come in and start um, kind of putting in a new offense, it's important for the guys to understand it. Because um, it doesn't really matter what the coaches know. It, it all matters what the players know when they're out on the field that they can execute. Um, and that's what he's very um, – I mean, he communicates that with us. He's, he's all about us understanding the system. Um, he made it really easy for us to learn. Um, we can get in, like, a lot of different looks, a lot of different formations, um, and, and run very much of the similar type plays. Um, and so the plays don't necessarily change a lot. So – good thing about our offense is it all kind of it makes sense and it's it's a, all a part of a bigger picture and so when when the guys just learn that and understand that um it's not necessarily too difficult to learn um but it allows us to play very multiple um and, and put defenses in a difficult position you know i talk to offensive linemen and i'll say you know what play call comes in that you love and they generally will pick a run play mm-hmm. uh, as a qb do you have a favorite play right now that when you hear it called, you're like, okay, yeah, th- I like this play. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, the way we're at the rate we're going, all of them, um, the past few weeks I've really, um, obviously we've all kind of been um, like in sync and we've really enjoyed, um, I guess, the play that's called because we've executed at a high level um, as a unit. And um, for me, um, Obviously, when you game plan and when you understand the defense, obviously there's some things that I see and, and that Coach sees that we've talked about throughout the week that, hey, when we call this, this is what we're thinking and um, this is what we're going to get. And so sure enough, as soon as we call it, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Um, so most of the way it's a play-action pass, whether it's a quick game, um, regardless of the play, it, it could even be a run that we've discussed that we talked about could be open. Um, so it kind of depends per week. Um, my favorite play, but um, one thing that I really enjoy is uh, kind of getting out of the pocket, using um, my arm and my legs to, to kind of make the whatever the defense is going to give me um, just allows me to have options. We're talking to Bo Nix, University of Oregon QB. Are you a reader? Do you play a musical instrument? Do you play video games? Do you binge watch Netflix? What do you do that's not related to football? That's a really good question. Um, unfortunately, I do not have a musical talent. Um, was not blessed with one of those. Did not learn anything growing up. So, um, kind of nobody in my family is. So, so none of us are really musicians. Um, but we all enjoy sports, and and I think that 
if I'm not at football, um, I enjoy just hanging out with, with family, um, obviously being around my, my wife and um, just kind of being like having some time to myself and, and just hanging out um, and not necessarily doing a whole lot, um, but I just enjoy um, the calmness and the quietness when I get home. Um, but if I do enjoy kind of sitting sitting down and, and reading my Bible and obviously um, studying some different things in, in Scripture, but um, I mean, it, I'm, I'm a very simple guy. And to be honest with you, it's tough to say something other than football because of how much time I spend at football and how much I'm always constantly doing it. Does your wife play a sport? Like, if you can you guys go out and play pickleball, or can you, you know, do you do you do anything competitive with each other yeah. that way? Yeah, well, I'll say this: we uh, it was more when we were dating and when we were engaged when we um, had more. Um, obviously, we'd been at Auburn for a while, so we had kind of a bigger friend group, um, and she had a lot more um, kind of associates that that was her age and, and friends. So we would go out and play spike ball. And her and I are pretty good spike ball partners. Um, but pickleball is also fun. Um, we, I don't know if we've necessarily played it together, um, so I don't know how good she'd be at it. But she was a um, a, a gymnast coming out of high school, um, and so she was pretty talented at that. And unfortunately, she she got um, went through a few injuries that kind of put her out of gymnastics. But when she got to Auburn, she became a cheerleader. So it was pretty tough to go from gymnastics to cheerleading after not ever doing cheer. So she's a pretty good athlete herself. Does it, did it give you a new respect for cheer? Because you're watching, like, the hours put in and the competitions. And, you know, do you, you know, like, you know, I know if you have, like, I have a niece who's a cheerleader, and I, all of a sudden I had, had a newfound appreciation for what was going on when they were stunting and, you know, mm-hmm. flying in the air and stuff. Right. Yeah, that's all that kind of stuff is – Really unique and incredible how how much time they do put into it. But I tell you, just from being around it, I think I've grown um, more of a respect for gymnastics. I, I think I didn't realize how difficult that was until I started hearing some stories and hearing some of the things she can do, and um, kind of still doing it even though she's been out of it for about four or five years now. So um, that's been really impressive, and and I definitely have more respect um, for gymnasts out there. Bo Nix is our guest, Oregon quarterback. You're going to go to Washington State. You know, what do you see on film defensively, defensively from Washington State right now? Well, they do a good job um, with their scheme. I think they're very well coached, and they have some talent to back it up. And I think that they play really hard. Um, you can see that on video. Um, and obviously with their 3-0 start, they're going to have a lot of confidence going in the game, and as they should. I think they're a good defense. Um probably top in the in the country um so it's going to present a challenge for us and, and all we have to do is just stick to our game plan and make sure we are um, focused on that and making sure that we're taking care of ourselves and doing our job and not turning the ball over and, and i feel confident that we'll move the ball on a very tough defense you know we talk about environments and people are going to ask you they probably already have you know, do you know what Pullman, Washington is like? And I got to think that a guy who played in the SEC is going, you know what, uh, I've seen some environments. Did that help you? Does that help prepare you for stuff that you'll see down the road? Because you're not going to see stadiums in the Pac-12 that are going to hold the unhinged SEC fan capacity that you see in the SEC. Right. I mean, just I can go back to when I'm a freshman. I played neutral side against Oregon, which was a very loud, hostile environment. I played at A&M, at Florida, at LSU, 
Um, and so there's just been a lot of unique games that I've been able to be a part of, and I think they have kind of allowed me to understand the the environment and what it's like to play on on the road. And, and after that, um, you know, I played at um, Penn State and at Alabama and at Georgia, and so there's just been a lot of unique and awesome stadiums that I've been able to play at, um, which just as, as when you get my age and, and as much experience as I have, allows me to understand what it's like to go in and play um, in a hostile environment. And so I've already kind of been there and, and had to go through that. So I understand what it's like. So it now won't be shocking. Um, and I expect a good hostile environment. And that's kind of fun for a road game. I think that's what part of college football is so much fun is when you get to do things like that. So I'm really excited about it. You know, I was uh, looking at kind of where you went to high school in Birmingham, Alabama, Pinson Valley High School in there in Birmingham. Do, do you miss the food from from home? Like, you get out in Eugene, you probably don't have the same food that you had in high school. Well, I'll tell you what I miss. I miss uh, Chick-fil-A. Um, that's one thing that, that we don't have here in Eugene that I wish we did. Um, but thank goodness for Chipotle. <laughs> I wouldn't be eating a lot of the same type of food. But honestly, um, especially now that we've gotten into the season, we, I mean, we eat so much around the complex and stuff to where um, – hardly ever even go out and then when I make my own food it's kind of what I enjoy and so it's not um too much different but at the same time as as much as the differences are there's some um I mean some really good different um like culture food I hear that's really good you know um I've tried Hawaiian food for the first time being out in Eugene there's quite a few Hawaiian places um and so just kind of that um Pacific Northwest food that that's really good that we don't have in the south you looked you looked really comfortable last week, as I said against BYU, and and you know I know that players will say they don't hear the noise. You you must have heard some noise after the Georgia game, but you you for whatever reason you showed some resilience, you showed some metal. I felt like you know I I wrote this and I said this to people in the press box. I said he looks comfortable. Did you feel comfortable? Absolutely, um, and our offense are. Our offensive line really allowed me to feel comfortable. Um, started running the ball, and then um, after that, we were just to take some shots. And then I felt like the whole game we were in control. When you do that, when you play that well on defense, um, it just gives a lot of breathing breathing room for for your offense. Um, so I I was comfortable, and I really did um, feel in control. And as a quarterback, that's all you want. Um, and and it's just really good when you feel that way as a quarterback. Give me an idea. You, you you probably have your class schedule for the for the term. Uh, what class are you most looking forward to to taking in school? Well, you know, thank goodness um, I, I'm a graduate, so I have um, not necessarily an, an easy task, but it's much easier than that is if I was trying to graduate. So trying mm-hmm. to graduate in three years was tough from Auburn because you had to cram a lot of different classes in and at one time, and so a lot of summer school, um, a lot of classes during the season. So, so now I'm actually able to kind of sit back and take a breather from that, um, and, and take just a few classes to stay eligible. And obviously, um, from a school point of view, just from from eligibility purposes, is um, you have to take those requirements. And, and I won't be in college long enough to get another degree, so it's really um, an undecided degree. So I'm taking kind of random classes um, to stay eligible and and to learn new things. Um, And so I'm honestly not taking too many um, unique and cool classes um, at this point, but um, 
in my time at Auburn, I definitely did. I graduated from communications with a communications major with a minor in sports coaching. So I took quite a few classes um, about people and, and how do you communicate with people. And that's kind of helped me on the football field because not everybody communicates the same way. We had Oregon State defensive back Jaden Grant on last hour, and he's in a similar situation. He's got a few degrees. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. really need the classes. He, he's taken yoga, and he said that's his only yeah. in-person class. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, you live it up, man, because life will only get more serious. Are you doing anything like yoga? Are you doing something like that? Well, I, I'd love, like, obviously, in my position, yoga is the type of class that you kind of look for. Um, but with my situation, I was able to find some things where I didn't have to take it because we do some yoga and some um, performance stuff as a team and with strength and conditioning programs, so I don't have to necessarily go and spend time doing it. But um, from that being said, um, it was yoga was a class that I was definitely looking looking at taking. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Bo Nix, good luck to you this weekend. We love having you on, get to know you a little bit. You. You look good. You look comfortable out there. Keep having fun. Enjoy this. This is this is supposed to be the time of your life. Remember to have some fun out there. That's right. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me on. You bet. There's Bo Nix, University of Oregon quarterback. I want your reaction to that interview. I've got some takeaways, some things I want to talk to you about, but I want your reaction as a listener. 503-417-7575. Tell me, if you were going to tell someone else about that interview, what would you tell them? Leave it here. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Oh, Nick's wants a Chick fil A. The Chick fil A here. <laughs> Weirder things have happened. Weirder things have happened. Jaden Grant started talking about Jamba Juice. Next thing you know, they got a drink named after him at Jamba. Uh, what was your reaction to the Bo Nix interview? I want it at 503-417-7575. Anna's popped into the studio. Um, Anna, you want to go first? You go ahead. Is there no Chick-fil-A in Eugene? No Chick-fil-A in Eugene. I looked uh. it up. <laughs> there's there's one in Beaverton, Clackamas, Medford, Gresham, Bend, Kaiser. Hillsboro has, Hillsboro has two. Okay. Beaverton has two. Beaverton has two. There you go. <laughs> No, Eugene. You can see what's important to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to say, like, some down-home restaurant in the country kitchen in Birmingham, you know? like. <laughs> but nope, he wants Chick-fil-A. Uh, what else you got? I He just seems like a really nice kid. Like, he just seems, like, really wholesome. I liked hearing about, you know, his attitude regarding the wedding that – uh, he experienced yeah. over the summer, and, and there's just he got nothing... out of the way. He said, "I get, I got yeah. out of the way." Yeah, there's there's really not much not to like, and you know, I I actually think it's interesting too that he's just really open about talking about his faith. Like, yeah. I, you know, like we, if you look at his Instagram profile, like he's got a Bible verse there that obviously matters to him too. So, Stephen, Sean, what'd you think? Yeah, he seemed really comfortable, right? And I don't know if that's just a direct correlation for on the field, but he seemed comfortable in himself. Um, you know, you brought up the fact, you know, people were kind of calling for Ty Thompson, and he just kind of brushes it off like, no, not a big deal. Uh, yeah, he seemed really down to earth as well. So that that was my real takeaway is, like, he didn't seem like he was very arrogant at all, which, you know, I didn't expect him to be, but it was almost even more uh, humble than I thought he'd be. 
Yeah, I think, uh, you know, just from everything I've gotten from Bo Nix, it feels like he's kind of on a business trip here in Eugene, you know, whether mm. it's for one year, whether it's for two years. But his life really, it feels like his life is really in uh, the South and Alabama. And, you know, he comes all the way over to Oregon. It's an uncomfortable move. And, um, but it's, it's all football for him, which I, you know, you can definitely appreciate if you're a Duck fan. And it seems like things are starting to click. And, um, again, you know, like uh, Stephen mentioned, he he's felt he's faced a lot of criticism uh, in his three years at Auburn, and you know in his one game against Georgia, but it doesn't seem to phase him which really much, which is super admirable. It's interesting that um, you know, first of all, he had quite a few ums in there, you know, he yeah, as I say, you know, um, <laughs> so do I, <laughs> yeah, but he had quite a few ums in there. I it jumped out at me, so I thought he was a little bit nervous. I know he hasn't done a lot of interviews, and so he's kind of remained um, under the radar a little bit, uh, even though he's the starting quarterback at Oregon. So I think he has shied away from doing some interviews, but I, I think the bigger thing for me was I think he, you know, he gave credit to his offensive line a couple times. I think he is, he's been in college football long enough that he knows, like, hey, as the quarterback, i got to build people up around me. When I asked him his favorite play call, I actually think he wanted to say he likes running with the football out of the pocket. Like, he likes that freelancing. Mm-hmm. But he took a long time to get there. He started talking about, <laughs> you know, every play call and this and that. And then he finally got to, well, you know what, I, I, I also like being out of the pocket. I think he really just likes being out of the pocket. I think, And he looks comfortable there when he's mm-hmm. running with the ball. But um, that Georgia game in week one, that game could have broke somebody. Like, the wrong person who was not ready for that stage it could have defeated you. It could have cost you more than just that game. We've seen quarterbacks in college football who have a game like that, and you never hear from them again. And they just sort of disappear, and then they're transferring three weeks later. I, I kind of like that he has bounced back, and he's bounced back in a big way. And, and the game against – look, we can talk all we want about you know the, the inferior teams that Oregon plays, but the game against BYU, that's a good BYU defense. And Kalani Sataki, his game plan was – designed to cause Bo Nix to be uncomfortable. And Bo Nix looked very comfortable in that game. And I, I think that, to me, my big takeaway was that. And then he was a little shy about, you know how Jaden Grant was was really open about saying he really doesn't have any classes to take, so he's just taking yoga? It's his <laughs> only in-person class. How about that? Wow. What kind of life is I, that? I didn't know that. I didn't catch that. He really? only has to take nine credits to be yeah. eligible. Oh, wow. So he's taking yoga. And then I'm sure the rest of his classes would all make us roll our eyes. You know, like, <laughs> yoga is the hardest class he's taking. When I asked Bo Nix the same question, listener, you know what, I, you, what you were thinking. I know what I was thinking. These, these two guys are living the life. They're on scholarship. They're playing football. They got no hard classes. You know, yeah. Bo Nix wouldn't even tell us his hardest class because it was so easy. <laughs> Well, I mean, if I'm a Duck fan, I like that because guess what? He gets to just focus on the football. It's damn near professional football. You know, not yep. a lot of distractions there. I remember I played you like I played community college football after high school, and it was a racket too. Like the community college I went to was big time community college in the Bay Area, and they had me take a class that was called sports officiating. Okay, <laughs> I was playing football and baseball. And I took sports officiating. And I said, the teacher happened to be the offensive coordinator for the football team. I said, when, when does this class meet? And he says, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But Monday and Wednesday are optional. And I don't care if you blow off Friday. <laughs> I never went to it. I got an A. 
Imagine that. I think there's some of that going on maybe with some of these college kids. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Is he so is he headed to the pros? Will he will he make it as a pro? I think he'll get like at this point he's got to do more to get drafted. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got to do more. But I think he is a guy that would get an invitation to a camp as an undrafted free agent now. But that's why he's at Oregon. He's trying to play his way into the draft at Oregon. Steven, Sean, you see him as a draftable player yet? Not yet, but he does have a big arm, and you know, you talk about him getting out of the pocket. Like he is athletic, right? You know, you, you would always say he's sneaky athletic because he's white, but like he's a really good athlete. So he's got the big arm. He's got a good good athleticism. I think there's a shot there. Uh, he just hasn't ever put it all together on the field, which I think doesn't necessarily matter to some NFL scouts. It's more about the combine. It's more about your you know what you can bench, what you can run, and how hard you can throw, and they can figure out the rest later. So I think there's a shot for him. Um, I, I I wouldn't draft him now, but he seems like, you know, if he has another good year, keeps it going, he could be there. Yeah, and, no, he yeah. clearly has all the tools. He was one of the top quarterbacks. He was a five-star recruit coming out of uh, coming out of high school, and I think he could benefit from not only this season, but he's got that other year of eligibility. Uh, I could really see him coming back and you know continuing to uh, to thrive under Lanning and Dillingham, and maybe being a good draft prospect after next season. He goes to Auburn out of high school. He was the number twenty-nine overall player in his recruiting class nationally, five-star recruit. He gets Auburn, Alabama, Clemson, and Florida all offer him scholarships. He chooses Auburn, and he struggles there, and he ends up getting benched. He decides to transfer to Oregon, and he gets reunited with Kenny Dillingham, who was with him when he was freshman of the year at, at Auburn in 2019. So he's getting another opportunity here, and... He's got the arm, as Stephen pointed out. He's got the feet. I think what we need to see is just the consistency because the knock on Bo Nix right now is that he's inconsistent. You get, you know, Mr. Hot mess, and then you get really settled down. This week is a really good opportunity for Bo Nix to show people that he has settled down. I think the the week one performance against Georgia, it's really hard to grade him in that week because I think it's – I think it's a little bit unfair, given given what was happening on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and don't you think some of that is the exaggeration of like overreacting fans too, though? It is, but he was running for his life back there. It looked like Tech Mobile, where you just kind of run backwards and go back and forth <laughs> until throw the ball. It was it was bad. But it goes to his mental toughness, right? Like to bounce back from that, you know, because it was a bad outing, right? Like he didn't yeah. play well, but it was also a tough matchup. But he's bounced back. He's had a couple good games now, so. You know, I think it's a credit to the Oregon coaching staff for showing the faith in him. And, yeah. Whoa, what's going on there? I don't know. Oh, oh, it's oh. Anna's phone. Sorry. <laughs> Anna, you're on a live radio show. I'm sorry. It threw me out. It, you know what's funny? Steven, you heard it. I heard it. I don't know. What did you do? Did you? Because you're operating a board. You probably looked at everything in front of you. I did. I kind of just looked around like, yeah. uh, is my computer on or something? Or I did the what? same thing. I looked at all of the computers in front of me, and then I looked over at Anna. She's oblivious. She's like a woman who's sitting on the subway and Instagram's open on her phone. It's just I was looking at his. It was an Instagram video yeah. on his account that had some background music on yeah. it. And My apologies. The look on your face. Like bewilderment. Oblivious. Just total no, bewilderment. Just, uh, you're just like in another, like it wasn't even, you weren't even hearing it. And I'm a deer in the headlights just yeah. like worried. I was too. My, I was looking around. I, look, I, have, I have three devices in front of me, two full computer screens. I looked at both of them. I'm looking at the volume levels on both machines. Lo and behold, here's Anna. Yeah. Just kind of perusing 
her social media <laughs> I'm account. Just the, the true broadcasting pro over this here. This is part of what's wrong with our society, Anna. What's wrong? <laughs> oh yeah. People wandering around like the you know that yeah. this is all that matters. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Just call me the mascot for everything that's wrong with society. Oh, uh, we got I'll some. I'll take it. I'll tell I'll you take it. guys. I want to tell you a story about something we got in the mail today. I'll tell it in the next segment. Anna's not going to like this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Well, I did something that I don't think Bo Nix at Oregon would do. I heard him talk about his wedding. He said he just got out of the way. Uh, the other day, the six-year-old and I were uh, online, and she was trying to pick out a costume for Halloween. It's a big deal to the six-year-old. She announced she wanted to be a giraffe. It's a little bit difficult to find a giraffe outfit, but I did go online, and I found a company that makes a giraffe outfit. It was affordable. I ordered it, and as I was checking out, guys, I noticed there were some other costumes for adults. So I ordered Anna... A Halloween costume without telling her. Came today in the mail. Anna will also be a giraffe this Halloween. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny. How do I get no say in this? So this means I get to buy no, a costume no, 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 no. from you, uh-huh. and you get to wear whatever I pick out. I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. But your, but your outfit, it's like a cute giraffe. You know, uh-huh. it's like, you know, it's a bodysuit with giraffe print and a little uh, giraffe antlers or whatever they have on the top of their head. <laughs> and uh, you'll match the six-year-old. Okay. Come on. Come on. I haven't tried this thing on yet. Let's I... see it. Tweet it out. Come I... on. Put it on the gram. <laughs> Make it real. I, re- I actually haven't even really looked at it. Is it is it appropriate? Yeah, it's appropriate. Because you know how, like, Halloween basically becomes, you know... Skanky yeah. Halloween. You weren't yeah. gonna say it. Yeah. I'll say it. Yeah, it's like no. insert whatever animal character occupation, but just like, you know. I don't know. We have to see a it on sexier you. version. I'd have to see it on you to make that judgment. <laughs> Would we allow Anna in the zoo? No, <laughs> no, we wouldn't. <laughs> you know, like uh, that's what it'll be. I can't wait. Could, would you guys ever like Stephen? Would you ever order your wife a Halloween costume? Uh, that's a that's a hard no. I would not. You should. I, I, I'm not a big uh, costume guy. So. I'm not either. But yeah. Anna is wearing this thing. I don't. Yeah, I just couldn't do it. Gonna be a giraffe. Do you know what a giraffe sound? What a giraffe no idea. noise they make? No, I don't either. No idea. You better find out because yeah. you're gonna have to do it while you're trick or treating. I just know they have long purple tongues. There you go. Okay, that'll do it. Sean, uh, do, do you think I this was a good idea or a bad idea? Great idea. Love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a big costume guy. Uh, I, I've thrived on Halloween, and I'm all for celebrating early. I, You know, look at my watch. It's September 22nd. Got to start getting ready. I want to I wanna have a, a big year this year. Would you like me to order you a costume? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Text me your address, and I'll send it, I'll send you what I think you should yeah. be. Okay. <laughs> she what what animal said, is it going to be? Yeah. Sean <laughs> just said he thrives on I Halloween. I know. <laughs> What are your highlights? Give us some yeah. costume highlights. I was Arthur. Remember Arthur, the little cartoon? <laughs> Not a car- yeah, he's a cartoon character. Yeah, he's a cartoon. Uh, and then the I mouse? Was, do you guys, very niche one. The Office. I was Date Mike. Remember Date Mike? 
Nice okay. to meet me. Nice to meet Like, it was from one specific episode, <laughs> Michael Scott dresses up, and I dressed up as that character. Wow. Um, I have a Superman outfit. Mm-hmm. So I've had a good, lot of mm-hmm. good years. You are thriving. That's thriving. The Arthur one was the best. I like how he said, uh, like Steven said, I'm not a big costume guy. Sean's first thing was, I am a big costume guy. (laughs) I'm like, why am I not surprised? Steven and I disagree on some things, but we uh, we have a good friendship. That's why you're here. You know, we don't have to agree on everything. That's the name of the show. You know know what's messed up is we've got neighbors that have already gone full bore on the Halloween decorations. Like, I drove past the other day. I almost got whiplash because they already have the entire getup on their front lawn with with R.I.P. gravestones and spider. It's all they're all decked out already. It's not even October. False start. It's got to be at least October, right? Like that's as a person now that has to decorate the house because my kids like it. It's October at the earliest. Yeah. Apparently not. Like Halloween's barely in October, you know? Yeah. So you should not in September be putting your decorations out. That's that's a false start. Somebody needs to go with a bullhorn in front of their house. And just yell, shame, shame. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me, you're making us all look bad. I know. I, I rolled my window down. They were out there putting up the cobwebs, and I yelled, you're making us look bad. <laughs> yeah, like the whole neighborhood. Vote them out of here. Too soon. Uh, Sean, uh, text me your address, and I will send you your costume. I'm on it. All right. You have to wear it, though. Oh, no question. All right. Be careful what you wish for. Hey, you're gonna be a you're gonna be a great giraffe. You're not just gonna be a good giraffe. You're gonna be a great giraffe, Anna. Me? Yes. Oh, I thought yeah. you were saying no. Sean's gonna be a giraffe. No, 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 too. no. Sean's not gonna be a giraffe. I've, we've overdone it on the giraffes. Mm-hmm. All right, I want you to leave it here. You got the bald faced truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the bald faced truth with John Canzano on seven fifty the game. Sean has now given me his address. I'm going to send all kinds of things to Sean's house. That'll be fun. Now I'm going through my... Should I get him a sports costume for Halloween? And for if you're just tuning in, I I ordered up uh, a, a giraffe costume for Anna for Halloween without Anna knowing about it. <laughs> I, I don't like know Sean, Sean has a lot of costumes, it seems like. Maybe he needs to go through the inventory of what he has so you don't oh. double up. Sean, what do you have in your, in your uh, closet already? I pretty much named him. I don't have much, I, you know. My Arth- <laughs> the Arthur costume's gone. Like Arthur. I don't have any remnants of that one left. The date yeah. Mike costume. Yeah, I, I don't have much. You, you don't have to be that careful with it. Okay. All right. I'm gonna have some fun with it. If you have a suggestion for the costume I should get for Sean, you can tweet at me at John Canzano BFT. By the way, speaking of Twitter, a friend of mine uh, sent me a tweet today that I thought was interesting. Uh, James Harden tweeted. Do you follow Harden on? Uh, on Twitter? No. Yeah, no. Um, he, he tweeted out, rise and grind. And this was a few days ago, but people just caught it now that it was sent at 12.42 p.m. Rise and grind. <laughs> so he's basically waking up at about 12, 12.40, tweeting. That's got to be a mistake. Like he tried to schedule the tweet for 12.40 a.m., right? Yeah, I don't know. Got to be. I don't know. Really, uh. Really bad. Uh, what do you think of Bo Nix saying that Chick Fil A is the place he missed? Is is 
Like, if you had to say there is a fast food place that you couldn't live without or a restaurant you couldn't live without, would what would your pick be? Yeah, that's tough. Um, It's not Chick-fil-A, that's for sure. I like Chick-fil-A, but I do think hot take a little overrated, and yeah. maybe that is blasphemy, but I'm going to stand by it. Um, let me think about it a little bit real quick here. Sean, I don't know. What do you think of Chick-fil-A? Because Chick-fil-A, I think, for me, is just, like, it's good. It's a good chicken sandwich, but it's it's not that great. If there was okay. one I couldn't live without, it'd probably be Starbucks because I'm a coffee addict. Yeah. Uh, but, nah, you know, Chick-fil-A's fine. But I would have thought, you know, Bo Nix, if he really likes that kind of food, maybe there was some kind of more authentic uh, version of Southern food that he misses. Yeah. Because that's kind of how I am. Like, I miss the, the really special, authentic places more so than the chains. There is a, uh, there's a place that I will pull off I-5 from to, to get a burrito. In Salem, Oregon. It's called uh, Abiertos. It's just off the freeway. I was a little disappointed after the last game, the Oregon-BYU game. I pulled off on my way home. I pulled, took that right-hand turn on, I think it's Market, right there in Salem, that main exit. And there's Abiertos waiting for me. There must have been 30 cars in the drive-thru. I had to drive past it, guys. It, it broke my heart. That's the place for me. Um, and I probably made the mistake of mentioning it on this radio show. Maybe a bunch of people coming home from the game swung through the drive-thru. If that's you, don't do that on game days. That's my place on game days. You can have it for the rest of the year. But that would be the place for me. I happen to think, I think Chick-fil-A is overrated. I think In-N-Out is overrated. But I like In-N-Out better than Chick-fil-A. But In-N-Out's not worth waiting 45 minutes for. Like, you know, I, when I see those insane lines, like, I don't think any of these places are worth waiting that, that long for. But the place I will not go to that I that I uh, am boycotting is Arby's. Mm. Why is that? It, in the Midwest, I had a boss. I was covering Indiana basketball, Notre Dame football. I had a great job, but I was traveling all over the Midwest. I was gone pretty much the whole time I was there. I was on the road. So I was in Champaign. I was in Evanston, Illinois. I was in Columbus, Ohio at Ohio State. I was in West Lafayette and Bloomington, and I was traveling around. At the end of the season, my boss called me in, and he said, well, we just want to kind of recap the year. And I thought he, want, he meant he wanted to talk about the coverage. He didn't want to talk about the coverage. He said, well, you know, next season, maybe, well, what you could do, he says, you know, you ate at Applebee's, for example, on this road trip. He says, maybe, uh, maybe we mix in an Arby's. Like, he brought that up as a cost-cutting, cost-saving thing, like that I should be eating, instead of eating at a, luxurious Applebee's, I should go to an Arby's. To that point, from that day forward, it's no, nothing against Arby's. From that day forward, in my mind, Arby's was off limits. I, to this day, when I see an Arby's, I scowl and I get a bad feeling about it because I go, you know what? That cheap SOB wanted me to go to Arby's? Really? I'm never going to an Arby's. That's me. That that's a good reason. Uh, yeah, I mean my 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 kids they love the Arby's like motto. You know, we have the meats. They Great commercials. The, yeah, they love the commercials. My kids do, but they wouldn't like Arby's. I think like if I'm gonna just go like a chain, like a you know a, in a national chain, probably like Chipotle. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. probably my go-to. Those Michael James and the Killer Burgers are not bad either. Mm -hmm. Been to one of those. Yeah, I stopped into one of those in the middle of the summer. Not bad. Uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll do the 5 at 5. Uh, we have talked on today's show about Ime Yadoka and the strange uh, case of what has gone on in Boston.
Can we just tie the bow on this thing, so to speak? Is this a news story? Because Stephen A. Smith this morning, he went off and he said, this is not a news story. It's not newsworthy. There's no crime. Uh, this is Ime Adoka's private business. I'm not ready to go there yet because we don't have the full picture of what is going on. And it feels weird to me that this is a one-year suspension they're talking about for what should be you know, a consensual relationship. Like It might be a nothing burger, and I might agree with Stephen A. Smith in the end, but I'm not ready to say this isn't a news story. Yeah, how, how can it not be when there's a suspension looming, right? Like that is the news is that he is being suspended. We don't know what the reason actually is. Like we have allegedly thrown out there of what it's going to be. We don't know exactly all the situation, but the fact that he's been, you know, that he's planning on being suspended and he's said he, he came out, he's not going to resign. I think it is news just because that is the news to talk about. I think we could go and say, how does it affect the Celtics? But we all want to know what the answers are and what is actually happening because it just it's such a weird situation that it's having that we think there's more to the story. We just, we haven't heard it. And so we all want to know, and we're all just kind of you know guessing of what's happening. Do you think they had to leak exactly what happened and the fact that, you know, he had this relationship? Or could they have just left it at, you know, he broke a team rule and he's going to be suspended for a year? I think if you do that, you're raising, you're bringing more attention to it and raising more questions. And I don't think people would have been satisfied with, oh, okay, he's going to be out a year, but we don't need to know why. Because then, you know, I mean... The assumption now is that there was something more to this, that, you know, even though it was a consensual relationship, you know, does he have a history of doing something like this? Was was there some kind of history within the Celtics organization where this became a human resources, uh, you know, line in the sand that they drew? Like what happened that led up to this? Um, further, it it kind of, it, and I think unfairly, casts suspicion on every woman who works in the Celtics organization because they haven't said who it is. So it then becomes like everybody has to go, no, 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 it wasn't me. Because I know what's happening because I've seen it on social media. People are snapshotting every woman who is on the basketball operations side, who's on the business side, and they're going, well, it's one of these four people. And I don't think that's fair to anybody because now this is a story and it's a big distraction. Yeah, it's definitely not fair to them. Uh, John, do you think this this seems like it's going to be a Friday late news dump type of thing where then that's where they come out maybe tomorrow and they bring out what's actually happening and try to have people just forget about it going to the weekend? I just don't know. It's just so weird. And now they have to, don't they? Yeah, don't like they-, they, they have to come out with what happened because we're all speculating. So it's, you know, to me, I you know, and I don't know this, but it seems like it'd be a great Friday news dump, classic Portland Trailblazers type of thing that they would do. Late at late on a Friday, just throw out what the news is, and then hope people forget on the weekend when we got all the college football, the NFL. Yeah, I I think I think you're probably right. Yeah, you know, and I and here's yeah, that's the other thing. If you're the Celtics, this is the absolute wrong way. This is like PR 101, because now they have the worst case scenario. Everybody knows about it. Nobody really knows what happened. It's inviting all kinds of speculation. We're talking about it here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, something that is you know, on the East Coast, like this should have been an open and shut. Here's what he did. Here's the suspension. Here's why we're moving on. He's getting a one-year suspension, whatnot. But again, I keep coming back to this. I think it's just common sense. You cannot suspend your coach in any capacity in any sports league. You could not suspend your coach for one year and say he'll just sit for a year and then he'll come back and expect that that's just going to be like, oh, he's out for a year, now he's back. Like it kind of, it reminds me of the – 
New Orleans Saints when you know they got penalized for having the bounty gate. Yeah, like, that, that's really the only other situation where coaches were being suspended like that, right? Yeah, like, and it, yeah. and then you you leave, and then you, you, you know, like if Ime Adoka leaves, and who coaches the team? Brad Stevens. He steps in for a year, and they they go to the NBA Finals and they win it. So they go to the NBA Finals and lose it, or they don't make the playoffs. Like then Ime Adoka comes bouncing back in. Like it's just it doesn't work. So you either have to fire him, or you have to do nothing. And if this was a consensual relationship, and like all parties involved are going, look, this is just go to go in any neighborhood in America and knock on doors. You you'd find stuff like this. Like if it's just that, then I kind of agree with Stephen A. Smith, and I think the Celtics dropped the ball here. Five at five's coming up. You got the bald faced truth statewide. Leave it here. I got five big stories next. <laughs> B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. Well, if you're listening on 750 The Game in Portland, we'll be uh, cutting to Thursday Night Football. If you're watching it, you're probably going to be watching it on Amazon Prime. Amazon home exclusively to Thursday Night Football. We'll talk a little bit about that in this segment. I'll give you the other big stories that are going on in sports. I got five of them. Let's do it. The Five at Five. Well, let's start with Amazon. Amazon and Nielsen finally got finished counting. It turns out that the streaming service averaged 13 million viewers for last Thursday night's NFL game. Big win for Amazon. It was a success. It beat expectations. It now makes me wonder if Amazon's primary aim is to get into sports and use sports to sell the prime memberships. That's right. I think the memberships and not the ratings were probably Amazon's primary aim. No pun intended. But Amazon gets a big win. The NFL feeling good about it. I'll be curious tonight on Thursday Night Football is the matchup isn't quite as glamorous as the Chargers and the Chiefs, what kind of numbers Amazon will get? It's Pittsburgh against Cleveland. Pittsburgh against Cleveland tonight. 5.15 kickoff on Prime Video. Ime Yudoka is facing a season-long suspension for a relationship he had with a member of the franchise's staff. Apparently, it was an intimate relationship with a female member of the Celtics organization. It's considered a violation of the Celtics guidelines, and the proposed penalty is largely unprecedented for a sitting head coach in the NBA. Formal announcement expected any time. Joe Mazzulla expected to become Boston's interim coach. Ime Adoka joined the Celtics last summer, Portland kid, spent some time with the Spurs, the Sixers, the Nets, played for the Blazers and the Spurs, but this is a weird story and a story that I think isn't over. I think it's just starting. Number three in our five at five. Jerry Jones says he would welcome a quarterback controversy in Dallas. Only Jerry Jones would say something like that. He would like Cooper Rush to make life difficult for the Dallas Cowboys. The backup quarterback who's replacing Dak Prescott. 
Jerry Jones says he wants them to play so well that there'll be a controversy. Dak Prescott um, has yet to have the stitches removed from his thumb. He's gone through rehab, gone through conditioning work. But uh, originally he was supposed to mix six to eight weeks. But now they're saying four weeks. So Dak Prescott's out. Jerry Jones is hoping that he will have a quarterback controversy on his hands. I get what he's saying, but it's Jerry Jones. Take it with a grain of salt. Weird story coming out of uh, coming out of boxing. WBO and WBC, they have stripped Shakur Stevenson of his titles. 25-year-old competes in the 130-pound weight division. Apparently, he weighed 131.6. Couldn't get down to the 130-pound weight. Said he gave it his all. But he got stripped of his belts. He didn't even have to fight. Nobody had to beat him. There is no champion in the 130-pound weight division. Is this the most boxing thing ever? I don't understand how we get to the point where, like... Boxing, it's not only that do they not have like a great champion in the heavyweight division or other divisions that can capture the the attention of America. They're not even making weight now. Boxing's got problems. Finally, Sean Payton. He says he's interested in returning as an NFL coach. He wants the right situation. He's working for Fox Sports this season. Remember, he stepped down from the New Orleans Saints in January, but says, you know, if the right situation presented itself, I would be interested. Peyton has two seasons left on his Saints contract, meaning if he takes a job, the new team would have to compensate the Saints for his salary. It's wild. Peyton's 58, spent 16 seasons with the Saints, At his news conference, when he left the team, he did not rule out a future in returning to coaching, but a lot of times these guys don't know who to be if they're not on the sideline. They're not that different than athletes. That is our 5 at 5, five biggest stories going on. Uh, Let me ask you guys this question. How long could an NFL coach be out of the game before we say there's no coming back? Is there a... Is there a timeline for how many seasons you could be completely out of the game before we go, you know what, it's just unthinkable, you would have no relation with the players, and, uh, you know, you couldn't come back? Maybe, what do you think, Steven, 10 years? I don't know, it's tough because I'm just, I gotta look this up, like, when did Joe Gibbs come back? John Gruden comes to mind. Gruden came back 10 years after leaving Tampa. What was Joe Gibbs, do you remember? Let me look him up. I'm looking at it now. Joe Uh, Gibbs. 92, and then he came back in 2004, so 12 years. Wow. And he was, I mean, he he brought, you know, Washington to the playoffs. So, I mean, was that success? I don't know. I mean. Never got back to the Super Bowl. He got to the, made the playoffs. John Gruden was a a big failure, I think, with the Raiders. And it felt like he was out of touch. And then obviously he had the -the off-the-field stuff as well. Uh, He was 10 years removed, and it just clearly didn't work after he was successful the first time. But with the with the Sean Payton thing, it just feels like coaches do this. Like Urban Meyer comes to mind. Like they Dick retire. Vermeil. Dick Vermeil was out fifteen years. Fifteen between the Eagles and the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I think it's doable. It just won a Super Bowl. 
Yeah, it's it's can you get the players to buy in? Just kind of depends on your personality, I guess. What were you saying, Sean? I interrupted you. I, did, I think like we've seen this with coaches like Urban Meyer. You retire, quote unquote, but we all kind of know you're not retiring. You're kind of just quitting this current situation, like the Saints or Florida for Urban Meyer. And then you land back on your feet. You get the job at Ohio State. And I think Sean Payton, it's pretty obvious if the Cowboys sputter this year, he's going to be the head coach next year. Kind of the right situation that he's looking for is right there with Jerry Jones, which is a bad situation. Oh, by the way. Um, it's interesting. I think it matters why they left. You know, if you know, like Dick Vermeil, it was a burnout situation. He was with the Eagles. He decided burnout. He went away, and then 15 years later, you know, he got another shot. And again, it was the right situation. He's with the Rams, and you know, he had a great offensive coordinator, and they struck gold with Kurt Warner, and they win a Super Bowl. You know, and so Dick Vermeil ends up looking like, okay, there's a guy who went away and got his got his energy back, even though he was older, but. You know, I think Peyton's he's young enough to do it, but he's got some stuff in his background. It, again, I, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think Jerry Jones ever wins big. I don't think he wins a Super Bowl as an owner. I think, unfortunately for Cowboys fans, I think Jerry Jones would either have to give up the team or, you know, may he rest in peace before the Dallas Cowboys ever win again. Not happening. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong on that one. Um you know, he just seems like he has his hands on everything. It just hasn't worked out for so many years. So maybe as an owner, like maybe the game has kind of passed him by a little bit. Right. And that problem is you can't fi- you can't fire the owner, or the owner should fire the GM because he is the GM. Fire him. Uh, all right, we're back tomorrow with another great show. If you're listening on 750 The Game, you're going to get Thursday Night Football. I really want you, if you're watching Thursday Night Football, tweet at me. Give me some feedback. How is it working for you? I'm really curious about... You know, the big numbers that they got from last week, uh, will they get as big a number this week? Will they have worked out some of the sound glitches and the glitches with people who are struggling with bandwidth? And I I fully believe, I, you know, I this, you know, Amazon's executives were taking a victory lap before the ratings numbers came out. They were celebrating how many Prime memberships they sold. They said they sold more Prime memberships in the three hours during last Thursday night's football than they did at any other three-hour period. I think they're after Prime memberships, not ratings. 